Do H4 EAD holders present harmful competition for U.S. workers? And if so, how can that be quantified? Erickson Immigration Group's Com Branch and James Vandenberg attended Save Jobs USA versus DHS Circuit Court hearing to find out. Today, they share what they gathered. I'm Ian Gaines. Come join us Beyond Borders. So guys, pleasure to have you both on. Thanks for having me, Sam. Glad to be here. So you just came back from a field trip. Tell us a little bit about it. Yeah, we went to see the uh, oral arguments in the at the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals for a case. It was uh, Save Jobs USA versus the Department of Homeland Security, mm. and it had to do with the H-4 EAD legislation. Got it. To get an overall understanding of both parties, Save Jobs USA and DHS, can you break down both of them for us? Sure. Uh, Save Jobs USA is an organization created as a result of the firing of three individuals in 2014 who are working for a tech company in California. This court has repeatedly held that a party suffers an injury in fact when an agency action allows competition against it. My clients are in the technology industry, and the evidence here is overwhelming that the regulation at issue allows competition. They came together and they filed suit against the Department of Homeland Security, DHS, in its mm-hmm. capacity that is a parent organization for the United States Citizenship and Immigration Service that promulgated the 2015 H4EAD rule. They're alleging that the H4EAD rule, which allowed individuals who are spouses of H1Bs, uh, recipients to enter the workforce, they're alleging that they lost their jobs because of this program and that the program therefore harms the United States, especially for tech employees. Mm-hmm. Um, could you tell us a little bit about DHS? I know a little bit about who they are, Department of Homeland Security, right? just so we understand some of their main duties and their areas of operation. Sure. Very quickly, the Department of Homeland Security, which is a rather new agency, was created directly after um, the September the 11th attacks, has a part of it, the um, United States Citizenship and Immigration Service, which is vested with the responsibility of interpreting laws created by the United States Congress having to do with immigration. Most Mm -hmm. of this appears in Title VIII of the United States Code. Um, What they do is they go about creating rules and guidelines for the implementation of certain aspects of immigration law, not Mm -hmm. only refugee law and non-immigration rules and guidelines, but also the policies and the path for individuals to become permanent residents and even United States citizens. In terms of Save Jobs, what was their positioning during this argument? Broadly speaking, Save Jobs USA is basically arguing three things. They're saying that the H4EAD creates uh, more competition for American jobs. Because it's providing this incentive for you to remain in the job market and to attract more of these four four workers by allowing spouses. First of all, by allowing uh, spouses of H-1B recipients with an approved I-140 to work. Mm -hmm. They're saying that a lot of these spouses take jobs in the IT field, which creates competition for their jobs. Secondly, they're saying that the uh, existence of the H-4ED program acts as an incentive for more people to come in on the H-1B program, Mm -hmm. especially uh, colleges and um, other organizations that don't have a cap on the number of workers that can come in per year. Mm-hmm. And thirdly, Save Jobs USA is arguing that the Department of Homeland Security did not have the authority to create this rule. Okay. So basically, they're saying that H4 EAD creates harm for the average American worker, right? Yeah, they're saying um, that the, they're being replaced. Right. They're saying that there's more competition for the IT jobs. Save Jobs USA is made up of mostly of IT workers. Mm-hmm. And they're saying that this program hurts Americans by basically bringing in more immigrants to work. Got it. What's DHS's stance? 
May it please the court, I'm Matthew Glover and I represent Apelli, the Department of Homeland Security. This court should affirm the ruling of the district court because Safe Jobs has not shown that its members are in actual competition with H-4 visa holders who may get work authorization. The Department of Homeland Security is, I would say, also alleging three things. First of all, that the individuals affected by the firings through Safe Jobs USA were not affected by the rule that was promulgated by the Department of Homeland Security in mm -hmm. 2015. That's first of all. Mm -hmm. The second thing is that the Department of Homeland Security acted correctly when it implemented the rule. It went about the necessary steps um, as outlined by the APA, the Administrative Procedures Act, which is mm -hmm. what Save Jobs USA filed suit under and is alleging that the Department of Homeland Security misstepped and abiding by when mm -hmm. they issued the 2015 rule creating the H-4 EAD, the H-4 Employment Authorization. Finally, um, the Department of Homeland Security wants to make very clear, I think, that they are attempting to get rid of the rule. Hmm. They are going about the necessary steps so that the H4EAD um, promulgation of 2015, the rule that was put in place, no longer exists. And right. so for the last few months, the Department of Homeland Security has been updating the United States um, District Court and the Circuit Court here in D.C., Mm -hmm. With information about the steps that they are taking, right. um, current projections suggest that it will be a few a uh, few months, even about a year, before that rule is off the books and the H4EAD is no longer available. But nevertheless, because of the Administrative Procedures Act, there are certain steps that they have to take account for right. um, to correctly remove that rule from the books. Yeah. Right. DHS has said that the earliest they could do away with the rule would be in spring of 2020. And even then, they said that this was um, very aspirational. Got it. Uh, so it seems, despite its history, DHS is defending H4EAD, I perhaps? Think the <laughs> Department of Homeland Security is instead defending their conduct, that mm. they did not misstep in what they were doing, but also that this policy does not negatively impact the United States workforce. Um, one of the questions that was posed by one of the judges sitting for this panel was by Lawrence Silberman, the former ambassador to Yugoslavia mm. and during the Reagan administration. He was appointed to the court by President Reagan. He okay. asked questions about the process for an individual to receive the H4EAD, which would include an H-1B recipient getting in line and expressing their interest to the United States government in becoming a permanent resident. Now, to file a paperwork for that, what is called the I-140, there are several steps that have to be taken. Mm -hmm. And those steps, DHS suggests, would be enough to make the pool of H-4EAD recipients so small that it could not negatively impact the overall workforce. In fact, that's it. That's all you know. All you have to do is show us an increase in competition then injury is assumed. That's all. Now you just read exactly the, my well, but, point. But it says almost certainly cause an injury in fact. And I think there has to be some analysis whether there's going to almost certainly I be an injury in fact. I think you're misreading that. I think you're misreading. Well, it, I, it, think, I think we've concluded mm -hmm. that it would not negatively impact um, the in tech community and the tech industry in the United States. I believe a large part of DHS's argument as well is that it's not an easy thing to uh, rescind legislation already on the books. There are a lot of steps to go through, and it takes mm -hmm. a very, very long time. The legislation was submitted to the Office of Management and Budget, and um, currently there's, they're having discussion with a lot of different stakeholders on what to do in order to rescind this legislation. There are procedures that they have to go through still. They have to post the, or the new legislation in the Federal Register, which allows them to take in comments from ordinary Americans to see how they feel about it. Mm -hmm. And there are just a bunch of legislative steps that mean that um, even if 
DHS decides to do away with the H4, H80 as they have signaled that they want to do, it's going to be a very long time frame to do that. And yep. Save Jobs USA is arguing that because it's going to take such a long time, Save Jobs USA feels that the government should stop the program much more quickly. Right. They, they want a faster timeline. Yes. Um, and that's tied to the belief that the H4EAD harms the United States workforce. So they, their thought process is the longer we have this around, the more harm that is being done for a policy that shouldn't have been in place in the first place. Um, I think the most interesting thing to me about in the oral argument was that for for an argument that took place around the H4EAD legislation was how little the H4EAD legislation itself was talked about. Uh, there's no evidence that there's going to be an increase in the number of H1A oh, yeah, if, workers. If someone lost their job to an HP1, H1B visa holder, doesn't that show their incompetition with them? And in, in any event, the rule, true, pre-rule, but now rule makes that competition even stronger. Um, Why would we disregard that? Because, Your Honor, the question is whether there's going to be more H-1B workers as a result of the rule. If there's this... If well, the, no, the first question is, are they competing? Well... And the second <coughs> question is, will the rule cause more of it? Well, and, and, and I'm not disputing that there's competition with H-1B workers, but to show injury, they have to show an increase in the number of H-1B workers, because well, the rule is... Well, was essentially arguing there is no competition. <coughs> well... Um, the judges uh, flat out told Save to Jobs USA that they thought that uh, there was more competition from the H-1B workers than for the H-4EAD, and so most mm -hmm. of the conversation tended to focus around the H-1B program as a whole, as opposed to this um, small subset of H-4 workers who are authorized for employment. Got it. I would agree with that. I think, to be clear, one of the questions that was raised in the district court that was ruled against... Um, or, or that the judge did not find in favor of was the question of whether or not Safe Jobs USA experienced harm as a result of the rule that created the H4EAD. Correct. Instead of that question being further evaluated by the circuit court judges, they evaluated whether or not the H1B, which is a piece of congressionally, you know, it's congressional legislation, and you can find it in U.S. code that specifies that. Um, they were looking at whether or not the H-1B engages or causes harm. Mm -hmm. And that being, and I think they were trying to determine whether or not that was standing enough right. for them to file suit in court. Um, this was later countered by a question that was posed by one of the judges um, and was later fleshed out and evaluated by DHS, um, the DHS advocate, which was that these individuals were fired before the H-4EAD was in place. Hmm. There seemed to be right. some disagreement between the That's judges big. themselves as whether mm -hmm. or not this was the proper venue to um, introduce statistics. However, mm -hmm. it did come up in the argument that although there were a lot of allegations and anecdotal evidence that mm -hmm. this program might harm uh, USIT workers, there right. weren't any hard data on how big of a problem this was. Right. What I'm, I'm troubled with, it seems the, the commentators' uh, comments are all anecdotal. I, I was surprised that there was no statistical evidence that you, that you offered showing a survey of the, uh, the labor market and the likely effects of this. Well, remember, this has occurred before, the, this complaint was filed before the rule goes into effect, you know, seeking a preliminary injunction and before the statistical numbers would have been, would have been known. We're, we're at a summary judgment stage, right? This right. isn't a motion to dismiss, so yeah. it would have been an opportunity for you to present that. So yes. So what's one of the biggest takeaways that you got from this court hearing? Did we inch any closer to a better understanding of whether H4EADs causes harm? Is it healthy competition? Is it unhealthy competition? Where does it stand now? 
Well, I think um, right now everyone's getting, uh, going to be very interested in to hear what um, what the court has to say, how they rule on this. Mm-hmm. But um, they didn't come to any sort of determinations. At no, the no, they're, court. no, they're <laughs> they're going to review all the evidence and um, come mm-hmm. to a determination in due time. And I think everyone's waiting to hear what they have to say. When we see oral arguments, it's only a small part of the decision making process. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you can know you can begin to understand where the judges are thinking and the way they want to um, understand and evaluate a question, mm-hmm. but it does not outright give us an, an idea. You guys were part of a very important discussion, especially when it comes to H4 EADs, the usefulness of it, because uh, we're talking about a piece that actually keeps families together. But also is the conversation of, okay, does this actually impact U.S. workers in a negative way? So Right. And, and just to build off that, I think it's important to note, too, that um, in uh, 2018, there was a letter uh, sent in support of the H4ED program to the Department of Homeland Security. It was over 130 bipartisan members of Congress who wrote a letter saying that the economy is strengthened by the existence of this program. Hmm. A lot of people are going to be watching this um, this case to understand whether or not DHS misstepped you, you, in creating this rule. Uh, admit, wouldn't you, that this is more speculative than than your previous standing argument, right? You ask us to engage in some inferences here, and you keep Actually, going back to the purpose. And I thought we had decided I'm, that purpose can't get you there. You got to show actual. I didn't think I was speaking purpose, Your Honor, um, here because uh, this is the injury that's most firmly based in law. Because, but it's most speculative. He's, this, you'll, you'll, you'll concede that your argument here is more speculative than the H-1B argument. Um, no, actually, Your Honor. Okay. Okay. I, and the reason why I will disagree with you is because the standard is, are they allowed? All right. And once we come to that determination, I'm going to have you guys back on. <laughs> Can't wait. Sounds good. Looking forward to it. Thank you so much. Thanks. Thank you, Ian. For more content and immigration updates, please follow us at EIGlaw.com and make sure to follow us on Twitter at EIG Nerds Podcast to join in the conversation. Thanks for listening. See you next time. Oh, we're going to take a brief recess so that the uh, clerk can close the courtroom.